0: It's good to be in the house of the Lord, amen. It's good to lift his name. It's good to take time to sing and to praise. We thank you, Jesus. We are here to worship you. We declare your name this morning, Lord. God. The passion of song we're gonna sing comes from the Apostles' Creed. And in the Apostles' Creed it talks about the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And this song is a declaration of our faith. Let's sing together.
1: God, we bless you, Lord. God, we believe in you. We believe that you're present with us, Lord, that you care about us, that you love us, that you've got plan and purpose for us, Lord God. And God, we we thank you. We know that you are with us, Lord. You are with Gideon and Joshua, Moses. You are with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. God, you are with your early church, and you're with us, Lord. You're with us, Lord, and we welcome you tonight. Today, we welcome you, Lord God, to be in our presence, and to speak, and to move, and God, as we exercise faith by listening and obeying, Lord, we pray that above everything else, above anything else, God, that you would be glorified, and that in our lives, we would honor you, and in our lives, we would point people to you. So, Lord, thank you for who you are and for the things that you are doing and the ways that you empower us to do your work here in the earth. We need you. We need your power. We need your presence. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Turn and greet somebody, and we will get back here in just a moment. Well, good morning, good morning uh, to those on the patio, those in the loft, to those online. Good morning and welcome, welcome to our eleven o'clock service at Harvest Church. It's uh, it's been a, it's been a good morning. It's been a fun morning. So I'm excited about what God will do in this service. Um, interestingly, uh, first service we had, so we bought this property from a family about, I don't know how many years ago, it was a while, anyway, we we moved in here 17 years ago, and so Clem and Amanda Lambert and their family, well, not Clem because he's passed, but Amanda and her family were here on the second row this morning, and so we got a chance to honor them because 17 years ago, we we were driving through, I was driving through the village, and I saw a sign up on the front lawn that said the place was for lease, and uh, so we had been praying uh, because our church had been Uh, Meeting at a high school up on the Mesa Lopez High School, and so we'd been praying that God would give us a space in the village. And so I'm driving through, and so I've lived in this community since fifth grade, but I'd never noticed this building, this church, kind of set back. And so that day I drove through, and I noticed there's a church in the village. We're actually praying that God would give us a church building in the village. And so I stopped by and met Amanda for the first time. And again, she was here second, uh, first service. And I said, "Hey, Amanda, we're we're just a small church looking to." move from the Mesa into town. You've got this amazing facility here. Would you be interested in leasing it to us? And just... On, in that conversation on a handshake a handshake she said yes and so we started the process and we raised the money to renovate stuff and uh, and then one, one by one we just kind of took over all these buildings and were able to buy them so we're talking about faith this morning and it was just such a great illustration of what God will do with people who are just saying being willing to say yes Lord <laughs> being obedient to, to do what God has called us to do and and they were obedient they they you know we were a church of 60 people we didn't have a lot going on in any way financially at all, but it was just a total faith venture. And and I told her all of that, and she said, well, it needs to be a church, and we want to work with you. And uh, so a lot of you were here back in the day, and uh, a lot of you are hearing the story for the first time, but it was uh, God working through the Lamberts to give us favor, and then God working through our congregation to provide resource and everything that's been needed over these last 17 years that we've been here. And uh, so God has blessed us, and now we're Getting ready to uh, add to our space over at 102 West Branch, the new worship center there. I was just in there this morning, and uh, the painter's just about all wrapped up, and it's going to really start looking like something pretty quick. <laughs> I mean, it kind of does, but it's just kind of messy right now, but it's getting there. It's getting there. So we've been discovering uh, what faith looks like as we've studied through Hebrews chapter 11, the heroes of faith, and recently we, we said faith is obedience to God, we said faith is trusting God's timing. For me, that's probably the hardest thing. Um, Obedience is not as hard as trusting his timing. They're both hard, but trusting his timing has always been hard for me. So faith is trusting God's timing that he will unfold his plan when he's ready to unfold his plan. And uh, we can trust that. We can believe that God is good and that he's unfolding something wonderful for our lives. And so faith is trusting that timing and then faith, faith is following your God given destiny. So we believe that God creates people with purpose, giving gifts and talents. Every believer has a gift, a talent that God has given. Uh, every person is created for purpose that we might know God and walk in those eternal purposes that he has for us. So, so as we look at the rest of Hebrews 11, we'll get through the rest of Hebrews 11 today, we'll discover more truths about the faith as we look at more examples people that have gone before us, real-life historical people who have gone before us, who've demonstrated faith, exercised faith. The title of the message today is Faith in Action, and really it could be faith equals action because faith without action is not faith at all, it's just a, it's just a word. But faith in action is what God implied and meant and spoke and demonstrated through his people throughout the scriptures of the Old and the New Testament, the early church, and up to this point in our lives today, faith is action. Faith in action is what God wants to say. Faith equals action. So if we say we have faith, we must follow that faith with some action, some things that God has called us to and has, has invited us into. So where does faith come from? Again, Romans 10, 17 says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So as we study the word, it's not just An academic exercise, but it's a spiritual exercise as well. So it's academic, but it's also spiritual. And it's meant to encourage us, inform us, compel us to do what God has asked us to do. And following the examples of those who have gone before us, do what they've done. Because we've seen God be faithful in their lives and in their circumstances. So we believe that God will be faithful in our lives and in our circumstances because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So his, his attributes haven't changed. He is a faithful God who calls his people to be faithful in response. So we're gonna look at a lot of scripture today. Um, Hebrews eleven thirty 30 through 34 will kick us off here. It says, it was by faith that the people of Israel marched around Jericho for seven days and the walls came crashing down. We've, a lot of us have read the story, have heard the story in Sunday school or in sermons, and if we take a, a serious look at this, it seems crazy, the whole story. It seems like, God, this, really, this is your plan? But by faith, number one in your notes, by faith, Joshua believed God's promise. God made a promise to Joshua, to the people of Israel. What was that promise? We see that in Joshua 6, one and two. It says, now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. They had witnessed what God had done for the people of Israel, and so they were afraid. No one was allowed to go out or in, but the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho, its king, and all its strong warriors. So by faith, Joshua believed God's promise. The first generation of Israelites that left Egypt failed to believe the promise and so they failed to receive the promise. They wandered in the wilderness for 40 years until that whole generation of unbelievers died off. And after Moses died, Joshua became the leader of Israel and he was the leading he was he was the one charged with leading the people with fresh faith in God. I think we need that from time to time in our lives. Like Lord, I need fresh faith. I I'm feeling tired or worn down or I'm not exercising the faith that I think that you've asked me to exercise. And so Lord, would you refresh my faith? And then God will begin to refresh our faith. Just supernaturally, we'll all of a sudden have courage for the stuff that we didn't have courage for in the past. We'll have energy for the stuff that God has called us to. We'll have fresh faith for the things that God calls us into. And So after Moses died, Joshua became the leader of Israel, and he was leading the people with fresh faith in God. The first generation, again, failed to believe, and so they failed to receive the blessings of the promised land. The second generation chose, and this is the decision that all of us need to make in every season and situation of our lives. We need to choose To believe God, we need to choose faith. The second generation chose to believe so they received the blessing of the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey, this place of rest that God had promised his people. Interestingly, for 40 years, the people of Israel ate manna, and this manna sustained them. They would get up six days a week, and the manna would be there. On the sixth day, they would grab enough for the next day, and they would gather enough to eat. And for 40 years, the Lord provided manna for them to sustain them. Uh, Manna was used by God to bless the people, to sustain the people. But the fat of the land was to bless the people in the new promised land that God provided. So when the people of Israel moved into the promised land the manna stopped and the people were able to eat from the fat of the land. So manna was to sustain the people, the fat of the land was to bless the people. Sometimes we're in a manna season. Sometimes we're in a manna season where we get sustained by the Lord, but there's not a lot beyond that. We we're kind of in this season of just kind of waiting, trusting, believing, obeying, believing that God's gonna provide for us, and he does. So sometimes we're in that manna season. Other times we're in the fat of the land season. Like everything is going our way financially. Things are flowing our way. We've got our health and our relationships, and things are just amazing. So there's, there's a test to our faith in both situations. In the manna season... It's a test. Will we continue to trust the Lord? He's met my needs today. I'm going to trust him to meet my needs tomorrow. And so it's a test of our faith. Where are we we putting our faith for our provision? In the fat of the land season of our lives, it's also a test of our faith because often when we've got the fat of the land and everything's going well, we've got ample resource, we can get our eyes on those things and not on the Lord, and so it's a test of our faith, is God really our source and our resource, no matter what, no matter whether we have plenty or little, our focus is on God, is our focus on God, and that's the, the test, and um, that's probably been the test through most of our lives, different seasons we've had plenty, different seasons we've been lacking or just had enough, and it's been a test of our faith while well, we continue to trust the Lord, no matter what. Both seasons are a test of our faith. Number one, by faith, Joshua believed God's promise. Number two, by faith, Israel followed God's plan. So Joshua, their leader, was hearing from the Lord, and he was leading them. But would the people of Israel, would they rebel like they did against Moses? Or would they believe and follow their new leader, Joshua? By faith, Israel followed God's plan they decided to believe. Joshua 6, 3 says, you and your fighting men should march around the town, Jericho that is, once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. On the seventh day, you are to march around the town seven times with the priests blowing the horns. And when you hear the priests give one last blast on the ram's horn, have all the people shout as loud as they can. So this is God's War strategy. <laughs> March around, ram's horn, boop, boop, and then shout. You're like, really, really, Lord? Then the walls of the town will collapse and the people can charge straight into the town. What we see in scripture and what we probably have noticed in our own lives is that God's plan doesn't always make human sense. Often his plan is counterintuitive. His plan is always a test of our faith. If his plan is not testing our faith, I would question whether it's his plan. Um, His plan is normally counterintuitive. It's not what we would come up with, but it always grows us in our faith. So God's plan for his people needed to be followed by faith. They did not want another wilderness experience. And maybe you're here today and you're thinking the same thing. Man, I've been in a wilderness experience where I've had a wilderness experience and I do not want to see that repeated. By God's grace, as we yield to him, as we obey him, as we listen and believe and follow and trust, he will lead us into amazing things. wonderful. Not that there won't won't be challenges along the way because it's in the challenges that we have our faith tested and built up and... Challenge and it's like a muscle, you know, you got to work it or else it gets weak. And so we work that faith muscle. God works that faith muscle to build us up, to strengthen us so that we can do what he's called us to do. So they didn't want another wilderness experience. So by faith, Israel followed God's plan. You know, faith is the only way someone can follow God's plan. Kind of alluded to that, but faith is the only way someone can follow God's plan. Isn't that interesting? Without faith, it's impossible to please God, right? So he's called us into this life of faith, and it's by faith, that's the only way that we can follow God's plan. Back to Hebrews eleven thirty-one, 31, it says, it was by faith that Rahab, the prostitute, was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God, for she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. You never think you'd see a prostitute in the hall of faith. So these are the powerful men and women in the scripture, in the history of God's people who have demonstrated faith. So Hebrews 11 kind of points out incredible people who have been people of faith. And so in our natural understanding, we would never think that God would point out a prostitute, but this is exactly who he points out in this this chapter. Number three in your notes, by faith, Rahab trusted God's protection. Let's Figure out what the story is saying here in Joshua 2, 18, uh, 2 8 through 13. It says, Before the spies went to sleep that night, Rahab went up to the roof to talk with them. I know the Lord has given you this land, she told them. We are all afraid of you. Every one of the land is living in terror. Why? Because they had seen what the God of Israel did to protect and deliver the people into the promised land for we have heard how the lord made a dry path for you through the red sea when you left egypt and we know that you what you did to sihon and og the two amorite kings east of the jordan river whose people you completely destroyed no, no wonder our hearts have melted in fear no one has the courage to fight after hearing such things for the lord your god is the supreme god of the heavens above and the earth below now swear to me. By the Lord that you will be kind to me and my family since I have helped you. Give me some guarantee that when Jericho is conquered you will let me live along with my father and mother, my brothers and sisters and all of their families. So in Joshua 6:17 Joshua told the people, Jericho and everything in it must be completely destroyed as an offering to the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute and the others in her house will be spared, for she protected the spies. I love that God is no respecter of persons. One of the 12 that he called was a tax collector, despised tax collector, a a scoundrel of a guy who would steal from his own people and was used to um, gather money for the enemy. And yet God chose Matthew, chose fishermen who really didn't have a lot of understanding, um, a lot of education, a lot of political or religious clout. He's no respecter of persons. Rahab, a prostitute, is an example of faith to all people. Maybe you think your past precludes you from believing God. Your past, the things if I went around the room, we'd see that every one of us have a past, right? All of us have a past that we wish we could go back and change, things that we regret, are embarrassed by, things that we wish we could get a do-over with, but we we, we don't get the do-overs. In fact, I believe that God uses, and we see it throughout our lives, that God uses our past mistakes and failures to prepare us to minister to others who might be going through the same thing. Maybe you think your past precludes you from believing God. Don't let your past prevent you from living a faith-filled, blessed life. God is a God whose mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if we're on a new path as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ and we've got a past, let it go. Repent if you haven't, let it go, forgive yourself if you haven't, let it go, and watch what God will do as you let that go so that you can hold on to God, move forward in those supernatural plans that God has for you. Believe that God's grace is sufficient. Back to Hebrews, Hebrews 11, says, How much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of faith, of the faith of Gideon. Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets, by faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. And so we're going to kind of unpack these last verses here and talk about the faith of some of these people that did what the writer is talking about here. So number four in your notes, by faith, Daniel shut the mouths of the lions. By faith, Daniel shut the mouths of the lions. So King Darius was tricked. King Darius was a friend of Daniel, but he was tricked into signing a law that prohibited anyone for 30 days from praying to anyone human or divine. If the law was broken, you would go into the lion's den. So typically, people would be thrown into the lion's den, the lions would grab hold of them and consume them immediately. This is just the way it was. They were ravenous animals, and they would destroy their victims quickly, killing them and eating them quickly. So if the law was broken, off to the uh, lion's den you go. Daniel, Daniel refused. He refused to submit to the law that would hinder him from praying, as was his custom, So the king's men tried to kill him. They they threw him into the lion's den. The, The king loved Daniel and was grieved by the law he had signed and so he was up all night. He was tricked and his friend was now in the den of lions. And in Daniel 6, 19 through 22, very early the next morning the king got up and hurried out to the lion's den When he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, (laughs) was your God, whom you serve so faithfully, able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, "Ah, he's alive, long live the king, my God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouth so they would not hurt me for I have been found innocent in his sight and I have not wronged you, your majesty. So a real story, historical, real. God is able to protect his people. Do we believe that God is able to protect us? Not that we won't go through difficult seasons of life. But when it's in his purposes to deliver us and to protect us, he will deliver us and he will protect us. We have to believe this is true. God can and he will protect his people. As I was looking at this point and thinking about it, um, it reminded me of the spring of 1967, before I was born, by the way. Most of you were around But me, I was not born yet. But the spring of 1967, following close to a decade of relative calm, Israel found itself poised for war against four Arab neighbors. So four Arab neighbors were getting ready to invade Israel. But God had a different plan, and it didn't matter if the whole world, which it seemed like the whole world was against them, but it wouldn't matter if the whole world was against them. There were miracles in that six-day war, eyewitness accounts that demonstrate that God was with his people, protecting his people. So I'm going to read a few of those accounts to us today just to remind us of God's faithfulness. This first one, this first eyewitness account is titled 18 Egyptians Against Two IDF Soldiers. Yisrael, a cab driver who was drafted to fight in the Six Day War as part of the paratroop unit assigned with uh, conquering the Straits of Tehran, told the following upon his return. So you got a cab driver. The Israeli soldiers didn't have to parachute out of the Nord airplanes, which took them into the Tehran Straits. They landed like spoiled tourists in the airport because the Egyptian regiment, which was on guard there, fled before the Israel, Israeli troops were visible on the horizon. After landing, I was sent with another reserve soldier, an electrician. So you've got a cab driver, and electrician there to fight the war. To patrol the area, when we had distanced ourselves two kilometers, an Egyptian half-track appeared before us, filled with soldiers. And mounted with machine guns on every side. We had only light weapons with a few bullets that could, couldn't stop the half-track of, for a second. so we couldn't turn back, they said, he said. so we stood there in despair, waited for the first shot, and for lack of a better idea, aimed our guns at them <laughs> too. Against 18, heavily, heavily um, outnumbered and, and not able to defend themselves in the natural. But the shots, they didn't come. The half track came to a halt, and we decided to cautiously approach it. We found 18 armed insides sitting with guns in hand with a petrified look on their faces. They looked at us with great fear as though begging for mercy, I shouted, hands up! <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> this newfound courage, hands up! As we were marching him, I had returned to a state of calm. I asked the Egyptian sergeant next to me, tell me, why didn't you shoot at us? <laughs> he answered, I don't know. My arms froze, they became paralyzed, my whole body was paralyzed, and I don't know why. It turned out that these soldiers didn't know that the Straits of Tehran were already in Israeli hands, why didn't they eliminate us? I don't have an answer. How can one say that God didn't help us? Another story titled The Finger of God, IDF Director of Operations, Major General Ezer Wiseman, was asked by Mr. Lebanon, the father of a fallen pilot, how he explains the fact that for three straight hours Israel Air Force planes flew from the one Egyptian airstrip to another, destroying the enemy planes. Yet the Egyptians did not radio ahead to inform their own forces of the oncoming Israeli attack. Ezer Wiseman, later who, uh, who later served as president of the State of Israel, was silent then he. Lifted his head and exclaimed, The finger of God. A secular newspaper, the Heretz newspaper, titled Bottom Line. Following his blow by blow analysis, the military correspondent for the secular Heretz newspaper summed up the six day war with the admission even a non religious person must admit this war was fought with the help from heaven. A German viewpoint, a German Journalists summarize: Nothing like this has happened in history. A force including a thousand tanks, hundreds of artillery cannons, many rockets, and fighter jets, and a hundred thousand soldiers, armed from head to toe, was destroyed in two days in an area covering hundreds hundred hundreds of kilometers, filled with reinforced outposts and installations. And this victory was carried out by a force that lost many soldiers and much equipment, positions, and vehicles. No military logic or natural cause can explain this monumental occurrence. So the whole world can fight against God's people, but if God's not ready for um, Israel to be taken out, then they won't be taken out. And so that's why when people battle against Israel, it's just a losing scenario, and that's why it's important that America stays connected to and stays allies with Israel. Number five, by faith, three men quenched the flames of fire. Jewish guys, three Jewish guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they quenched the flames of fire. These three guys refused to bow down to King Nebuchadnezzar's statue. The statue is 90 feet tall, nine feet wide. So imagine this ceiling's about 30 feet tall, So imagine three times this, that's, who who needs a 90-foot statue, by the way? (laughs) What kind of a person requires a 90, I don't know, Nebuchadnezzar, apparently. So this statue was 90 feet tall, 9 feet wide, and it was gold, solid gold, well, These three guys refused to bow down to the king's statue. And Daniel 3, 19 through 25 says, Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. (laughs) We're gonna do some things as believers that make other people upset, uncomfortable, even angry, distorted with rage. In our obedience to God, we're, we're gonna be offensive to some people, but our purpose in life is to be Obedient to God and, and do what he's called us to do. And so that's what these guys did. He commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. Then he ordered some of the strongest men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into a blazing furnace throw them into the blazing furnace. So they tied them up and threw them into the furnace, fully dressed in their pants, turbans, robes, and other garments. And because the king, in his anger, had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, securely tied, fell into the roaring flames. But suddenly, suddenly Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound and walking around in the fire unharmed. And the fourth looks like a a god. (laughs) By faith, these three men quenched the fires, the flames of fire. And we read later in the story that they came out and didn't even smell like smoke. So I know when I walk by a barbecue, I'm picking up the scent and... At home, my wife's like, hey, you smell like a barbecue, right? <laughs> Imagine being inside this furnace and coming out unharmed and uh, while inside walking around having fellowship with the Lord. You know, the Lord is with us in our times of trial, and we forget that. We We think sometimes that we're all alone, but when we can believe and we can know that God is with us. He gives us a great deal of courage and confidence to do what he's asked us to do. By faith, these three men quenched the flames of fire. Up against impossible scenarios, God is faithful. Number six, by faith, Gideon's uh, weakness was turned to strength. Maybe you're here today and you identify with Gideon. You just feel weak and insignificant and unimportant and the wrong guy for the job, the wrong person for the job. I think those are the best people. Those are the kind of people that God wants to use. Because as we'll see in Gideon's case, when using people like that, broken and humble and contrite people, God gets all the glory. And so we'll see what happens with Gideon here. Judges 6, 12 through 16 says, the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. (laughs) Gideon's like, you're talking to me? (laughs) Do you know who you're talking to? Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. See, God sees in us what we don't see in ourselves, right? So we need to learn to see what God sees in us and walk in those things by faith. Walk in that identity by faith, giving glory to God. Sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all of this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and over to the Midianites. And sometimes we have that same sense. Lord, where are you? Like, why have you not come through? This was Gideon's perspective. He was struggling with his faith. And the Lord turned to him and said, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. So I love it that the strength that we have with the presence of God brings the victory. So we don't feel like we got a lot of strength in us naturally. We feel like, Lord, these battles are too big for us. These circumstances weather way over my head. I don't know how to walk in this. I don't know how to believe you through this. I don't know how to trust you and honor you in my life right now. God says, go in the strength that you have, and I will be with you. When God thinks through Christ who gives us strength, he is faithful to meet us and to lead us and to guide us and to protect us and to provide for us. Go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you, but the Lord, but Lord Gideon replied, how, how can I rescue Israel? We sometimes look at our own lives and think, Lord, how can I do what you're asking me to do? Well, you got to get your eyes off of yourself <laughs> and onto the Lord. We will never have faith for the supernatural things that God is calling us to if we are looking at ourselves, watching ourselves. But if we keep our eyes on the Lord, he will lead us and he will go with us and we will have the victory. Lord, how can I rescue Israel? My, My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh and I am the least in my entire family. The Lord said to him, I will be with you. And you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. Long story short, Gideon defeated the Midianites with 300 soldiers because God caused a panic in the Midian camp and they killed each other. (laughs) So if we read the whole story, we see that Gideon started with 32,000 warriors. 32,000 men who were ready to go to battle. But God knew that if Gideon went to war with 32,000 troops, and if he got the victory, then he would take the credit for the victory. He would say, look what our strong men have done. Look what we have accomplished. Look what we have conquered. So God whittled down the army. He whittled down Gideon's troops down to 300 so that when they did get the victory, they would recognize that it was God who gave them the victory. God won't share his glory with anyone. <laughs> he opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So when we, when we trust him and we're filled with his presence and his spirit and we do the supernatural things that God calls us to do, it will be uh, mir- miraculous things happening, unfolding, God's plan unfolding, God's plan happening. It's, it's something that we just kind of get to go along with by his grace, trusting him, believing him, and being part of that wonderful and supernatural plan that God has. By faith, Joshua believed God's promise. By faith, Israel followed God's plan. By faith, Rahab trusted God's protection. By faith, Daniel shut the mouths of the lions. By faith, three men quenched the flames of fire. By faith, Gideon's weakness was turned to strength. Number seven, what will you do by faith so we can read scripture and grow in our knowledge and our understanding of the Word of God and the principles of God but if we don't apply them then it's been just an academic exercise and God's not interested in academic exercises he's interested in life transformation so what will we do by faith for God's kingdom what is God calling us to do now I think about that question corporately for Harvest Church I think about that question individually for my life and for my family. And I I challenge us to do the same thing, each of you to do the same thing. What will you do by faith? If you can figure out and do ministry in your own strength, then you're you're probably not where God would have you to be. But if you're in over your head, that's probably a good indication that you're where God would have you to be. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. And by faith, we follow God. And by faith, we believe God. And by faith, we trust God. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It's the assurance of things we cannot see. So by definition, faith requires faith. <laughs> trust. Confidence in, not ourselves... But in the King of kings and the Lord of lords, we, we, we need to humble ourselves and recognize the greatness of God that wants to work through us. And as we humble ourselves and recognize the greatness of God who wants to work through us, then he will do wonderful and supernatural things and our lives, will they will never be the same. They will never be the same. With that, I wanna invite the worship team up. I'm gonna invite you to stand. We're gonna pray and then we're gonna worship some more and then we'll be dismissed into our mission field where we get to do by faith the stuff that God has called us to do. So Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word. I've I've got nothing to say up here without your word, so thank you, Lord, for your word and for how it speaks to us and how you minister to us. Lord, we're humbled by your presence. Every time we gather, we're humbled by what you will do with us and in us and through us as we humbly obey and submit and trust in your timing and trust in your plan and your purpose, Lord God, fulfilling the destiny that you put within us to fulfill. So Lord, as we worship, God, continue to stir us and to speak to us and to direct us and point us in the direction that we're supposed to go. God, be glorified, we pray, as we listen and obey. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, let's worship.
2: Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you, Lord turn his face towards you and give Gracious to you, Lord, turn his face towards you.
0: you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your salvation that is that is new every day. God, I pray that we would be a people who seek you each and every single day, that we would know your word and we would know your truth. God, that we would hide it in our hearts so that we are ready to fight the good fight of faith. We thank you, Jesus, for your presence. We thank you for this house. It's in your precious name we pray. Amen.